But listen, we, we have invested a lot of time in, in, in Luke's gospel, and it's not just for the sake of knowing the gospel of Luke a little bit better. Hopefully, as a result, more than anything, we have a better understanding of who Jesus is and, and, and what Jesus did. And that that absolutely demands a response. It just does. And, and, and Jesus is seeking a response. He wants us to respond to him. And I can sum up, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. In fact, we're going to look at one verse. Because I think I can sum up in one word the response that Jesus wants us to have to who he is and what he did. And it's the word discipleship. In Hebrew, it's lechaharai, which means walk after me. And here's the deal. If you look closely at Jesus' ministry, you will see that Jesus has very little interest in making converts or what we call believers or Christians. His life, his ministry is consumed with making disciples. In fact, I'll give you something to think about. The word convert or the words like convert, are used less than a handful of times in the New Testament. The word Christian is used two times. The word disciple is used over 300 times. And yet I think the church has put a lot of its eggs in the basket of making converts, believers, Christians, and, and, and what do I mean by, 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 by a convert? I, I, what it's turned into today, a, a convert is really this, this easy, easy believism. It, 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 it's a life with just a little Jesus sprinkled on top of it. In fact, I think if Jesus came to our churches today, he would be disheartened in terms of what we're going for. What we've settled for. How we've watered down his movement. I think this is worth considering. As intent as God was to come to the world and become a human being and die on a cross and be raised from the dead, he was just as intent to come to this world and make disciples. It's massive. It's God's whole strategy to change the world. And when, when we talk discipleship, I, I, I don't think there's something that we have more misunderstood uh, that, than what discipleship really is. It's, it's one of the things that we've extracted out of its original context, um, what it meant in the first century and, and, and we've hijacked it into our world, and I think we've lost some of the meaning. So I want to start this morning 
uh, with this question, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Because this, to me, is what Jesus is going for. He wants disciples. And turn in your Bibles to Luke 5, verse 27. This is the one verse we're going to look at. You don't even really have to stand today for this verse. But let's still stand. (laughs) After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. That's our text for today. You can be seated. Discipleship begins with this call, follow me. Because this is at the very heart of what it means to be a disciple. And and, and this was said to all the disciples. And and, and the way the disciples would have heard this, I'm almost certain Jesus would have spoken this in in their their language, uh, in the Hebrew. It's it's that word, lechacharai, which literally means, walk after me. Levi, walk after me. Because this call is the call to get behind Jesus. It's the call to walk after him, to follow him with one grand purpose. So we can become like him. And I want us to know that this is not the call to meet with Jesus once a month at Starbucks. This isn't even the call to go to church once a week on Sundays. This isn't even a call to have a quiet time with Jesus once a day. Because when you look at Luke's gospel, every story, every event that takes place, minus the cross, the disciples are with Jesus. They're with them. Because that's what a disciple was in Jesus' day. It's someone who is with their rabbi 24-7, 365, for the purpose of becoming like him. In fact, uh, some of the scholars that I, that I really trust uh, who understand uh, the first century and the Bible in light of that, David Biven, David Flusser, Shmuel Safrai, um, the, these are guys who have devoted their life to the study of the New Testament, especially in light of its uh, Hebraic context. They say that at the time of Jesus, there were hundreds of rabbis who had disciples. And that what this looked like was these disciples would be with their rabbi 24-7, 365. That's what it was in Jesus' day. Discipleship in Jesus' day absolutely required a rabbi. There is no discipleship or disciple-making Without a rabbi. What's a rabbi? A rabbi is a mentor. A rabbi is a teacher. A rabbi is a coach. A rabbi is a spiritual mother, a spiritual father. And they're teaching people how to walk. Because to the ancients, that's what life was. Life was a walk. And because they saw life as a walk, 
uh, they essentially said, I need to know two very important things. I need to know, first of all, where to walk. And secondly, I need to know how to walk, which also means I need two things. I first of all need to know what is the right path because there are thousands of paths. And we know that today. Do I go this way? Do I go that way? Is it this path or is it that path? And to the ancient, there was one path that led to life. And that path was narrow and hard to find. And the paths that were easy and and, and popular and, and wide and broad are the paths that led to destruction. And this is why God's people throughout the story absolutely love the book. Because to them, the book is God's instruction. It's God showing us the path. To them, we could not know the path if we didn't know the book. And to know the the book is to know the path. That's why uh, the psalmist says, your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. Also because life is a walk, not only do I need to know the right path, I also need a shepherd. I need someone who is in front of me who is walking the path and showing me how to walk that path. Again, because life is a walk. I need these two things. In Jesus' day, this shepherd was called a rabbi. First century rabbis were intensely intensely passionate towards God. They, they, They knew the path. They knew the book, backwards and forwards. And they had the guts to not only pursue this with all their life, with with, with total commitment, but they had the guts to look at younger people and say, hey, follow me as I follow God. And I just think it's just amazing that of all the things that Jesus could have stepped into when he came into this world, this is what he steps into. He came to the world to be many things, but one of those things, one of those important things, was to be a rabbi. He called people. He said, come follow me. Learn to walk behind me as I show you how to walk, as I, as I show you God's path and how God's path is to be walked. Come follow me. Now, this to me is the genius of Jesus. Because the whole Jesus movement doesn't end with his death, it only gets started. And why does it only get started? Because 12 to 120 people decided to follow this rabbi and became like this rabbi. And listen to what this rabbi said when he left them his final charge. Go into all the world and make little Christs. Teach them how to walk the way that I showed you how to walk. That's why we're here today. That's why you are what you are today. That's why the story we heard this morning is 
is, is something that's real. It's because someone poured into Megan and Kyle and into the, into the people of this church. And now they are, are, are pouring into a new family member who now, it's so exciting to hear this, is now going to pour into others. And those others are going to pour into others. I love what John says, if anyone is in Christ, he must walk as Jesus walked. Have you ever asked yourself how you walk? Yeah, we translate this word live. What's your walk look like? And I'm not talking about just your walk on Sunday mornings. I'm talking about your walk Monday through Friday. I'm talking about your walk on the weekend. I'm talking about your walk uh, behind closed doors, your walk, who you are in your, in your private life, your walk, who you are in your public life. What does your walk look like? What path are you walking? The narrow path? The path that God instructed, that Jesus shows us? Or the world's path? Paul, too, is one of these guys who, who, who uh, became a part of the Jesus movement. And uh, Paul says, walk after me as I walk after Christ. I love it. It takes guts to say that. It does. Now, the way a rabbi taught his disciples how to walk, it, it, it wasn't through what I'm doing right now necessarily. It wasn't through sermons. It wasn't through seminars. It wasn't through lectures. It was, it was through relationship. It was this intense relationship uh, that, that was entered where it was brought into every aspect of life. Because the goal of this relationship is so much more than just passing on information or giving people the right answers or the right theology. It's, it's more than just to, uh, for the rabbi to give the disciple what he knows. This relationship is for the purpose that this disciple is going to become all that the rabbi is. And I say, wow. Because there are people that, that, that read these stories. I've even heard sermons preached on this, almost where people are like these poor disciples. Jesus came to Levi and said, Levi, come follow me. And this poor guy has to drop everything and follow Christ. I, when Jesus says to him, Levi, follow me. Walk after me. In this context... Levi is hearing Jesus say, wow, that man, I don't know who he is, but I know he's great. I know he's incredible, and he actually believes that I can become like him. I bet he was just like, are you kidding I think this is one of the great 
disservices that we do today in the church. In fact, Rabbi Akiva said this. He said, we call people to believe in God without first telling people how much God first believes in them. And this is so implicit in, in, in the call. When, when, when Jesus says to us, come, follow me. You also need to know that because this call, and Jesus isn't just doing lip service, he's not in his mind just thinking, well, I know that they never really can become like me, but I'm going to play this game because, you know, it's what I'm supposed to do. No, when Jesus calls someone to follow him, he also believes that that person can become like him. Look at Luke 6, verse 40. I love to hear that, the, the, the shuffling of the pages. Well done, Crossroads. The disciple is not above the rabbi, but everyone who is fully trained will be like the rabbi. That's Jesus talking. The disciple is never above the the rabbi, but when the disciple is fully trained, he will be just like the rabbi. I don't know what I am today, and honestly, I am more insecure than you would ever probably imagine, or maybe I wear that well too. Um, But I am the product of people who've poured their, their life in Christ in me. That's what I am. I could give you 10 names of people that throughout my growing up, at significant time, uh, significant periods in my life, and I gotta believe God just sent them in my life, they poured their walk with Christ into my walk. And I'll tell you what all 10 of these people had in common. As they poured their walk with Christ into my walk, they all believed in me. When I didn't believe in me. But they did. And I'm hesitant to say this because I've been a youth pastor for so long and and, and after that a pastor for so long that I know that what I'm going to say right now is I, I, I'm such a minority, but I'm going to still say it anyway because it's, it, it, it's so who I am today. I, I had two parents who just raised the bar in my life and said, Rod, this is what it means to follow Christ. And they believed in me. It was the greatest gift my parents could have ever given me. They believed in me. Not too long ago, I remember just being in a heated discussion with my dad on the telephone, and, and we're talking away, and, and we're just doing this. Um, we both can be passionate. We both can be stubborn. And because he's my dad, there's even something hurtful about that. Uh, but you don't try to show your hurt. But we're talking. There's intensity to it. And all of a sudden, my dad stops. And he says, 
hey, Rock, wait a second. Do you know how proud I am of you? Do you, do you know that you are, are just such joy to my life? And that moment, I'm glad he didn't see me. I just started weeping like a baby. This is what Jesus is. When he says, come follow me, the bar is high. And this isn't just the power of positive thinking or the power of of, of positive reinforcement. This is, Jesus says, we can become like him. And he believes that. He absolutely believes that. Do you? Amen. Amen. You know, Jesus, one of the things where Jesus is is different than than the rabbis of his day, uh, Jesus actually chose his disciples. Uh, That's not the way it was normally done. Uh, The the prospective disciples uh, would would usually come to a rabbi, um, and they would pick their rabbi the same way someone might pick a college today. And to get in with a good, famous rabbi, you uh, you had to make the grade. Jesus breaks with tradition. He is the one who does the choosing. He chooses his disciples. And look at who he chooses. First of all, let's start with Levi. What is he? What is a tax collector? Chief of sinners. Jesus says, I pick chief of sinners. A little bit before that, Peter... And I love how he picks Peter because he does this amazing miracle. Peter's a fisherman, and all of a sudden he says, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Peter has so many fish in the net that he can't. And he, he, he comes ashore, and he realizes at that moment that this Jesus is probably more than a human being. And he says, get, get away from me. I'm a sinful person. And Jesus says, Peter, don't be afraid. I believe in you. I believe in sinners. I think the story of, uh, of Jesus walking on water flushes all of this whole, this, this rabbi discipleship thing out as, as much as anything. Um, Jesus just walking on water one, one night. <laughs> kind of crazy to think about, isn't it? And we just kind of look at this as, as, oh, this is one more magic trick that Jesus is showing these guys. That's not what's going on here. Because what Peter then says when he realizes it's Jesus, he says, Lord, if that is you... Ask me to come. Tell me to walk. In fact, what Peter is asking there, Jesus, does walking like you even apply to this? And I think what Peter wants Jesus to say back to him is, Peter, I'm your rabbi, you're my disciple. Of course it does. And what does Jesus say? Peter. Come. Which is the same word that, G- that Peter first heard when Jesus called him. Come, follow me. Peter, get out of that boat and come. Walk as I walked. Become like me, Peter. 
and we beat Peter up because he gets out of the boat. But guess what? He starts walking. (laughs) And then it says what? He took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink because he began to doubt. Who did Peter doubt? Jesus? No, he's still standing there. He's doubting himself that he can actually become like his rabbi. And I think that this is where so many of us are today. We've heard his call. But deep inside, we're afraid. We don't really believe that we could really become like Jesus. And I'm not talking so much about the miracles, although I don't want to take that completely off the table. But what I'm talking about more than anything is the character. That we would walk the way Jesus walks. That we would think the way that Jesus thinks. That we would talk the way Jesus talks. That we would serve the way Jesus serves. That we would love the way Jesus loves. To me, that's the greatest miracle there is. That we could emulate Christ-likeness in our lives. Do you believe that? Do you believe that about the people that you're discipling right now? Do you believe that about the people you're pouring your life into right now? And parents, it better start with your children. Do you believe that about your children? Listen to this quote from C.S. Lewis. It's going to offend some of you, but that's all right. God said... That we are God's and he is going to make good on his words if we let him. For yes, we can prevent him if we choose. But he will make the feeblest and filthy of us into a god or a goddess. A dazzling, radiant, immortal creature creature pulsating with awe through with such energy, joy, wisdom, and love as we cannot now imagine. A bright stainless mirror which reflects back to God perfectly. Though, of course, on a smaller scale, his own boundless power and delight and goodness. That's what God wants to do. And God isn't into shortcuts. He does this through discipleship. Have you heard Jesus call? Have you heard him say to you, come follow me, walk after me, become like me? Ask yourself, are you following him right now? Are you walking his path? Do you even know his path? Are you drinking in his words? How many of us right now in this room even think of Jesus as our rabbi? See, we've been told, rightly, to think about Jesus as our Lord. We've been told to think about Jesus as our Savior. We've been told to think about Jesus as our friend. But how many of us right now think of Jesus as our rabbi? Because this is why this is an important question. If Jesus is your rabbi, it means you're his disciple. Which means that you're consumed with him. And you're consumed with becoming like him. 
Or let me ask it this way. Who is in front of you right now? Who is showing you how to walk? I'll be the first to admit, I need someone in front of me, inspiring me, instructing me on how to walk the path I'm supposed to walk. I need it. The church needs it. And I think this is where the church is missing it because we have so many people who are striving to be disciples with no rabbi, with no mentor, with no coach, with no spiritual mother, no spiritual father. And then we wonder why there are so few disciples in the church today. You cannot be a disciple without a rabbi. And yes, this discipleship begins with Jesus being our rabbi. We, and, 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 and to make Jesus our rabbi, we need to find Jesus where he is. He's right in this book. And this is where we go to meet with him. This is where we go to learn how, how he walked. And, and we learn the path that he actually walked. And you know this if you've done this and you've pursued this. It's radical. It's a radical walk. It is a radical path. The world says go up. Jesus says go down. The world says get a life. Jesus says give up your life. The world says love yourself and express yourself. Jesus says deny yourself, lose yourself, so you can love others and God as yourself. This is just a taste. And almost as much as we need Jesus, we need Paul's. We need men and women who are following hard after Christ, who have found God's path and are walking it and have the guts to say, follow me. Walk like me. Walk after me as I walk after Christ. This is why in the New Testament, elders are are, are not instructed to be bosses. Are you kidding me? Elders are, are, are called to have a life worth emulating, and they're called to be able to teach so that they can impart this to the next generation. It's why the psalmist over and over again uh, says, let one generation declare the praises of God to the next generation. Psalm 71 is, is just an awesome psalm. It's called the psalm of an old man. He says, when I am old and gray, Do not forsake me, my Lord. Let me declare your praises and your power and your might to the next generation. 2 Timothy 2.2. Paul instructing the church says, Men, find young men and impart God's ways to them so they can impart God's ways to the next. Titus says, let the older women impart and train the younger women. Dawson Trotman, a man who had a tremendous impact on my life, I think his question today is just as valid as it was 30 years ago. His question is, where are the men? Where are the women who have a love for God? who are pursuing God with everything they have, who have found God's path and who have the guts to say to the next generation, come, 
walk after me as I walk after Christ. The church needs this today. Our church needs this. The generation coming up, they want this. I get far more young people coming up to me and saying, Rod, can you find me a mentor, a coach? Then I have older people saying, do you have a group of people I can disciple? If you want to read a book that, that, that's a wake-up call, Philip Zambardo, not a Christian, chair of the American Psychological Association, recently wrote a book called The Demise of Guys. Here he sounds the alarm on how the proliferation of video games and pornography has left a whole generation of young men without basic social skills and an inability to enter meaningful relationships, namely that with the opposite sex, and left them with no purpose or direction in their lives. I don't mean to just pick on the men. There are things I could say even about our, our, our generation of women who are growing up, who are, who are caught in this vacuum too. I'll tell you how bad the problem is. The average young person today will spend 10,000 hours gaming by the age of 21. And to put this into context, it takes less than half of that on average to complete a bachelor's degree. And this doesn't even include all the time spent on all the other screens. And while this is happening, no one has a solution except to say, everything's okay. It's all, it's all okay. Jesus has a solution. It's called discipleship. Our young people today don't need more church services. They need Pauls and, and, and Paulettes. They, 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 they need people who, who, who are walking with Christ. I know, Paulette is all I could come up with because I wanted to include both <laughs> genders. <laughs> it doesn't mean you have to be perfect if you're a Paul or, or, or a Paulette, for, for lack of a better term. It really means that you need to have something going on with Christ, something to pour out, not perfection, but then the guts, the guts to say, hey, come follow me as I follow Christ. Something almost goes unnoticed um, in these disciples, even starting with, with, with uh, Levi. Um, Jesus changes Levi's name. Does anybody know what name Jesus gives him? Matthew. Matthew writes the first gospel. Um, he changes Peter's name to what? Or Simon to what? Peter, which means Rocky. Okay, and in the ancient world, only God could change someone's name. Because a name to a person in the ancient world is more than just an arbitrary label. 
a name rep- represented the essence of who you were. It's your identity. It's, it's your destiny. It's your authority. In fact, in the original language, name and authority mean the same thing. When Jesus changes their name, he's only doing what God can do, but the name change represents more than just something superficial, but represents what's going on in these guys. They are getting a whole new identity. They are getting a whole new destiny. They're given awesome authority. And how is this happening? Discipleship. They've been discipled. It's the only path to change. And so I'm just going to end with this question. I'm sorry, I don't have prescriptions today. I'm putting the ball in your court. Are you a disciple? Who's in front of you? Who's in front of you? And who's behind you? C.S. Lewis says, The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ and to make little Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself is simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. It is even doubtful, you know, whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose than that the church make people into little Christ. That's our call. That's our call. Let's pray. God, I'm going to just uh, ask that you would help us in this. I loved what Megan said today as they're stepping into this new thing. She said, we just don't know. And sometimes we just don't know. And sometimes you're just waiting for us to take steps of obedience And so, God, I pray that this would fall on on every heart here, young and old. And I pray, God, that your spirit would speak to our hearts and give us everything that we need to show us how we can leave a legacy. We could raise up the generations behind us for you, Jesus. We depend on you. We trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen.